For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Peterson Toyota, who's a great Ram Nation partner, has been proudly serving the Fort Collins, Windsor, and Loveland communities since 1968. They're a family-owned and operated business, and they're committed to making the car buying and service experience smooth and stress-free with a friendly and accommodating staff in all their departments. Inventory is still an issue in the car business today, but Peterson Toyota prioritizes their inventory for local customers, ensuring that you have the best selection around. If you're in the market for a new or used vehicle, please give Peterson Toyota first shot at your business. Thanks. Enjoy the show. Welcome, everybody. Ram Nation Radio. Hope everybody is well. we got a good show for you today. Mike and I and probably, what, a couple hundred others attended a really good event last night, Wednesday night, at the Denver Country Club. It was the CSU Ram Recruiting Roundup. It had five current football players there and all of the football coaching staff attended. We'll recap some of those highlights of that event, um, some of the conversations we had there. Uh, and then we'll be hosting senior guard John Tanjay after that for a second segment. We'll talk a little bit about the struggles of the basketball season and much more with him. We were hoping to also have Tavy Jackson on, but he's a little bit under the weather today. So we'll look to see if we can get him on next week, catch up with him. But uh, Michael, how you doing? All recovered? Doing all right, man. Doing all right after a... Not too late of a night. No, we kept uh, it in check. Didn't even hit the bull and bush afterwards last time. Yeah, it's a little weird. Not you know, not not going to bull and bush after, and you know, having that final drink that we definitely don't need. So <laughs> no, it was it was it was a great night, great night. So awesome seeing a lot of people and hearing from all the coaches. Yeah, the um, it, it is. I think it's one of the best events of the year. For those that have never been, it's like a hundred bucks to attend. It's open bar, you get hors d'oeuvres, which I rarely eat enough of. But um, you just hang out with fellow fans, and and coaches are mingling with the crowd, and you do that for like an hour, and then um, the coaches get up, they do an official presentation of the incoming recruiting class. It's a really great event, a lot of fun. It's a it's a good opportunity to talk to the coaches one on one. You get their insights. They kind of talk off the cuff let their guard down a little bit. It's a really fun time. Highly recommend it, but just going to go through some of the highlights that, that I encountered. Um, first of all, when we got there, um, you know, we were invited by John Weber to go to the green and gold guard collective uh, pre event reception. Um, he was there uh, introducing the program. Uh, he had invited some of the donors that have already gotten involved and other people who are interested in learning more uh, it was really cool to see Jack Graham was there, you know, considering how his tenure ended at CSU and is probably unhappy as he was about that. It, it's really great to see him and Ginger Graham still so involved with CSU. You see him at football games still, see him at basketball games regularly. Um, so seeing them still involved with CSU and not holding that ill will is awesome. And then furthermore, you know, to see him, involved he's he's not just a donor to the gene uh the green and gold guard he's actually he helps john he's he's one of you know one of the guys that's helping behind the scenes so uh one of the things that i learned from that last night was they have a goal of signing up at least 100 donors at five thousand dollars a year and right now i think in the early stages they have about 44 signed up plus they got some other large gifts in one-time gifts they got some smaller ongoing gifts john said um, to 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 compete with the other high end G five collectives, I think Mike, maybe you remember. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he said it was around two and a half to three million dollars a year is where we'd like to be. I think he said we're at around one million right now. I, don't hold me to that, but I think that's what he said. Um, but so so little ways to go, but uh, they're making some progress there, and and it was it was cool to learn a little bit about that. Did you get any yeah. time over there with those guys? You know. It, it was great. I got to meet uh, John and his wife. Um, great couple. Uh, and I, I, I love their passion and the fact that he 
really has taken this on and, and he's gotten the help from the people that kind of know how to do it. And he's worked really well with, with CSU on this, you know, it really is important for us to realize as fans that it is on us, you know, this, this NIL thing, it's on us as, as fans. And, and, you know, we've always struggled at CSU. We, we, we've struggled getting, getting fans in the stands on a regular basis, but you know, Joel, you, you worked at Ram club, you know, you volunteered with that. I, I did it one year and, you know, there's so many people that we know that wouldn't donate to the Ram club. They would say, well, I, you know, I, I'll buy an extra season ticket. And, and it's really important, but we just, we, we, have always struggled with boosters and, and, and donors on that level, but it, it is up to us. And, and, and what John is doing is very, very low key. Like the thing that I loved whenever I went in there, he wasn't selling it. Like he wasn't pushing it on it. He wasn't saying, well, here, here's this, this, and this. It was really like, we just talked about CSU. And, and that's what, that's what we have to get it is people that, you know, love our university. And, and if they really want to see us get to that next level, we got to step up. You know, my wife and I, we've been talking about it and, and how we want to give, you know, currently we give a lot to the women's women's soccer program. And so we're just trying to figure out how we're, how we want to approach this and, and just talking to him. Like I, I feel very confident, like putting putting our money with him and and it going to the right places. Well, I mean, we all have our frustrations when we feel like the athletic department isn't doing enough as far as spending money to market a, a, a big game and sell tickets or, or investing in programs or making the right hires or whatever it may be. I mean, there's always something that we can nitpick about. But this in particular has nothing to do with the athletic department. They cannot help with this. They cannot be involved in this. So if we want to be a player, if we want to compete with the other G5s as a as a NIL collective that can then be attractive to prospective athletes that can benefit current athletes, um, it's all on us. <laughs> and that's all there is to it. And, um, you know, John. It's almost it's funny because he did he did present it to the audience during the official um, uh, program. You know, they asked him to come up and talk about it briefly. And, and, he, and that's just when he basically said, this is where we're at in the world of college athletics. If we want to be competitive, we need to be around that two point five to three million dollars a year. And he said. Like it or not, it is what it is. That's what that's where college athletics is. And um He's put his own, I mean, he's, he's just a successful business guy who loves CSU. He gets nothing out of this. He's put a year of effort into this, a lot of time. And um, you know what? It's a, it's a really good setup. It's done well. And it's just, it's up to us now to, to get on board. Uh, one of the things that Jay Norvell said um, as he got up there after John had talked and he said, you know, he quoted Dabo Sweeney saying that, even at Clemson, he goes, Dabo said that they'll never bring in guys to the program who come to the university just because of NIL, but they sure as heck don't want to lose anybody to NIL. And that's Jay said that that was his thoughts on it. Exactly. You know, you want, once you get guys in there, you don't want them leaving because there's people in their ear chirping about how they got these other NIL opportunities. You want to have those opportunities here to kind of keep guys to stay. But, you know, I, I think that the way, no matter how successful the green and gold guard becomes, you know, our, our, our coaching staff is going to continue to focus on the high school ranks, you know, seeing how absurd the portal has become for, for getting top transfers, you know, they're demanding so much cash. We're, we're just, it's going to be too hard to compete there. You know, along those lines, I just don't see the green and gold guard ever being a tool where you go out recruiting players out of the portal. It's really going to be more to reward players who are already here. It's going to be, you can have it as a talking point with, with uh, prospective recruits say, Hey, if you come here, you're going to have an opportunity for some, some NAL, you know, options. Um, as an example, one of the cool things about last night is the first time they've ever done this, but they actually had student athletes there and there were five of them. Um, this was made possible because the green and gold guard paid them appearance fees. And they, they were there to show up for the, the green and gold guard reception beforehand. And then all five of them stayed for the duration of the, the main event. They sat uh, during the program, they sat, 
uh, uh, as a panel and answered questions by MC host Jenny Kavnar. And it was uh, Mo Kamara, uh, wide receiver Tory Horton, defensive back Jack Howe, offensive lineman Jacob Gardner, and uh, punter Patty Turner. Um, so it was really cool. They each got to talk about what it meant to be a Ram. Um, so it, it was awesome. And that was, I thought that was a nice wrinkle. And that's a perfect example of how NIL should be used. They were actually spending time away from their studies. They were spending time away from, you know, their daily life. And they came down to Denver and they should get compensated for that. And that's exactly what happened. Um, by the way, I know that punting last year was a major complaint of ours. Uh, but Patty Turner is top notch. Uh, I Top don't know. Notch. He's so great. I mean, he is such a good guy. You can see why he was named a team captain by and his, he's loved by his teammates. It's why at the women's camp last year that they named him. He was like the auction MC he just has a way with people. He's hilarious. He's personable. He helped raise a lot of money that night. And last night he had people rolling too. He's a, he's a funny guy. Um, so you know, he, these are, these are the kind of good quality guys they got coming in here, uh, which I love. You know, you, you talk about the NIL and, and kind of how we we're going to approach it. Again, going back to what uh, Chris Fowler said when when that team down south from Fort Collins hired a new coach. And he and he said and he pointed out to Texas A&M that if you're getting kids who are committing because of money then they're not committing to the university and, and, and truly how committed are they to your program? And I really like the, uh, the approach that, that coach Norvell is, is taking with this. I mean, it really should be, I mean, he's hammering the, the, te the high school, he's hammering the junior colleges and the F uh, FCS. And I think that's, that's, that's what's going to take us to that, upper part of the G5, hopefully up to our Mountain West championships. And then we can go from there. Cause I, I mean, Joe has talked about it. If we can, if we can win the Mountain West and if we can make that run, especially with the expansion of the college football, there's no reason why we can't do what Houston has done. What Cincinnati has done, what UCF has done. You know, that should be us, you know, plain and simple. That should be us. And and getting those wins, that's just going to expand the donor base. As Joe said, it makes you automatically smarter as soon as your football team wins a game. That diploma that's on your wall, when somebody looks at it, they think, wow, look at this guy. He went to Colorado State. She went to Colorado State. Let's hire them. So, you know, I again, I like I like our approach right now i think it's the right thing to do it's the right way to to go about it you know especially with hearing things this is like a one and done down south if if it doesn't work this year all that money's gonna go and it's gonna go fast well it's cool i don't know if you uh talked very much with uh any of the players or coaches one-on-one -on -one. be curious to hear any of those conversations, but I got a chance to talk to Mo Kamara, talk to Tori Horton, talk to Jack Howell a little bit one-on-one. -on -one. They're all fantastic. Jack, um, you know, it was cool. He was talking about how much pride he has playing for his hometown team. He talked a little bit about his dad, you know, and memories from when he was a player back in the late nineties, early two thousands, back in our heyday. Uh, Mo talked about how excited he was to be returning. And um, he thinks this year's defense is going to be really special. He talked about, how much he loves his coaches, Buddha Williams and Freddie Banks. He said, you know, those, those guys are going to help position him for the next level. Uh, and then the cool thing, I talked to Tori and one of the interesting things was, um, you know, I told him, Hey, really excited to have you back for another year. And he goes, hold on. I got two years left. And I was like, Whoa, <laughs> I know you got the, I guess you got the COVID year, but no one's ever expecting to come back for two years. He goes, he made it pretty clear he would intend to be back here for two more seasons unless, you know, after next season, he feels like he'd be a first round draft pick. He said, barring that, he would be here. So um, that would be amazing to have Tori on the roster for two more seasons. You know, I, I had a chance with, with our friend JB to, to really get with uh, Coach Finley, our, our tight ends coach, James Finley. Now, if you remember this, he was the running back, running backs coach at modern day high school when we hired him. 
I know a lot of people on the board were like, what the, like we seriously hired a high school coach to be on this staff. Getting to talk to him last night, talked about how they are hitting, how hard they are hitting SoCal. And he said that the, the reason why is a lot of colleges don't know how to recruit down there. They don't know that area. They know the big schools, you know, they know the modern days and they know, man, I'm trying to think some of those other, uh, I'm like completely spacing. They know those name high schools, but they won't go in and, and do the dirty work at, at some of the like really inner, inner city schools, the ones that they might be winning one or two games a season, but they got tons of talent. And he said, that's how, that's what they're finding. And that's, and that's, they're, they're searching those schools and those are the guys that they're finding and, and bringing in. And, you know, we, we brought up how, you know, that's what we did in the nineties. You know, when, when Dave Lay was, was, was on staff and we mined those guys and, and Earl Bruce started it and, and Sonny continued that where we were pulling those guys from, from LA, from San Diego. And you look at those whack champion teams in 94, 95, and 97. I mean, it was almost like half the team was from California. The other half was, was from Colorado. And and just hearing it, how excited he was about some of the guys that we were bringing in. Like, it's it, – it, and, and you think they got they got a lot of junior colleges down there too. And they have those connections. And, and just seeing his excitement for those, for those kids and – you know, it got us excited, you know, loved hearing about that. Uh, talked to Tori as well. I mean, great kid. He was looking good. He was looking like Andre 3000 last night <laughs> with his pants and his, and his sweater. Uh, yeah, but he, he was awesome. You know, we look forward, you know, I talked to him about joining us one of these days and, you know, yeah. he really wants to do it. And it was said, he really looks forward to that. Like hopefully sometime this spring to, kind of hear what they're doing, but you could see, you could hear the excitement coming from him. Yeah. You know, he was, he was the only player that I had a chance to, to really talk to, but you could just, you could just feel the energy coming, coming from him. Yeah. And it seriously was, you know, and I don't want to, again, I don't want to, to bash on the guys that left, you know, they, they got to do what's best for them, but it, it really feel felt, like there was almost a weight lifted by the everybody else in the room that that bailed on the team that left, and now I mean it really is like a team. It really is a team, and and you know I look forward to this spring, uh, to spring ball. They went over the dates. April twenty second is the spring game, but they have fifteen practices and and. I think some most of them are open to the open to the public. So get out there, especially get out there for the the green and gold game. You know the Ram Grant runs that morning. Kim Norvell, who we had a chance to talk to for a long time yesterday uh, at the start of it, she her her and Jay started this. Get involved in that. Just get involved. I mean, that's I don't understand why so many of our fans are so hesitant to get involved. You know, and we want to point fingers and we want to blame Joe. We want to blame Jay. We want to blame, blame Nico. But we getting involved helps. It helps you. And I, I, I don't know why it, it just blows my mind. Sorry. A little bit of a rant there. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I'm glad you brought up James Finley because I agree. He was he was one of the most fun to talk to last night. And, um, you know, obviously, I think Jay kind of considers him as a secret weapon in, in SoCal. And obviously that's one of the reasons they brought him into the staff is because his recruiting ability and his existing connections he has there. But one of the interesting things that he said kind of off the cuff was he was talking about Tanner Arkin. Cause you know, he he's now the tight ends coach James Finley is. And he said that one hurt letting him get away. And he said they did everything they could to keep him. Uh, but unfortunately, Tanner had there was outside noise in his ear talking about other opportunities out there. And he left. He did what he thought was best for him. But he said that was a tough one to take for the staff. They really wanted him. Obviously, you know, he was a guy that 
probably wanted more involvement in the, you know, in the passing game, uh, didn't get enough catches as he would have, but you know, they, he said they basically laid out everything. Look, you're a big part of what we want to do. Uh, you're going to be a lot more involved and uh, just wasn't enough. He, he got the opportunity to go p- to play at Oklahoma state and that was that. So I thought that was an interesting takeaway. Um, yep. Yeah. So, yeah. Said the same thing to us too. Yeah. You know, and it's tough, but you know, that happens. And, it, and it's going to happen. It's going to happen, especially for us, you know, at this level. I mean, yeah. we're going and, and with today's environment, we're going to do, it's going to happen. We're going to lose players like that. Well, um, you know, the primary purpose of the event is to highlight the incoming recruiting class. And they usually talk about every single player. They once during the program, they'll show a highlight reel of them. They'll talk about each player, but we had such a massive class. They didn't have enough time to go through all of them. Um, they did show highlights and talk about some of the key guys, uh, which was cool. Jay talked, you know, just in general terms about how drastically they increased it. They increased the talent level, the size level, the, the size of some of our players, um, the speed. Uh, he always talks about kind of sticking to their profile of guys that they want. Big, tall, fast, smart uh, winners, guys from winning programs. Team captain said there's a lot of those guys, those types of guys in the in this year's class. And, um, you know, pointed out with they had 39 guys in this year's class um, with the early signing period. And then the, this one that ended yesterday. Uh, and then they had, what, 28 last year. So, I mean, basically yep. in just over a year, the staff has brought in almost 70 new guys. It's just incredible. So it's an entirely different team, different culture. He's finally getting his guys in there. There's going to be a lot of young guys, but uh, hopefully this mass infusion of, of new, new guys will, will lead to a change. But um, the other cool thing I thought that he said was that of the 39 guys, 35 of them are multi-sport athletes. I think that's pretty incredible. They look for guys that compete in, in different sports, different, you know, athletic ability. Um, one of the funny things he said was they like to have a team basketball event or a game or something with the players. And uh, he said last year, their, their game, uh, he was not impressed <laughs> with the the basketball and athletic prowess of his team, but uh, feels like this year there'll be a much better game with all the athletes they're bringing in. And, and a lot of these guys that had played high school basketball added to the roster. So um just kind of thinking that some of the some of the highlights of the players that they signed, we'll just go through a couple of them. But um, one of the guys that they talked about was offensive lineman Ethan Erickson. Uh, he's from Fontana, California, and this is a badass human. He Jay was talking about how he does Arnold Schwarzenegger strongman competitions. They showed videos of him uh, pulling a U-Haul. Uh, he's picking up this like massive four hundred pound ball. Uh, really incredible. Um, I I love to see this because I know that the staff profiles and likes to go after these big offensive linemen. Um, I don't necessarily care as much about the size. I want these strong guys, these tough, nasty guys. I think I think this Ethan Erickson is both of those for sure. What else? So Jay, um, he taught he told us this on on our podcast when we had him uh, two three weeks ago, whatever it was. But he he brought it up again last night, and I think it's it's. It's pretty remarkable, but he said that they had to fend off some power five schools that came after a few of our assistants and namely Freddie Banks was one. Buddha Williams, our defensive line coach was another, uh, said both were sought after by some unnamed big 10 schools who were coming in and offering to double their salaries. Um, and Jay said to their credit, they, they wanted to stay here and build something and, um, so with that, you know, Jay's like, he said, I'm, I couldn't be more excited about the future. We've got coaches that are staying instead of bolting, you know, and if we can keep this staff together for a while and keep this crop of students together for a while, they're going to get better fast. So I thought that was pretty interesting now that that is out in public, you know, he said that to us and, and he brought it up again last night, but just hammered home the point of how impressive and it is that those two coaches decided to stay. You know, um, going back to going back to the multi-sport athletes, I thought it. I loved it that most of the highlights that the, they were showing to us were from basketball games. You know, and it's the defensive linemen. It's not just the receivers that were playing basketball. I mean, it was like all these guys were playing, and 
just dominating on the basketball court using their size. And you look back to Sonny and you look back to those teams. He recruited a lot, a lot of guys that played different sports. I mean, think of Kyle Bell. You know, remember Jason Smith used to talk about the toughest kid that he played basketball against in, in high school was Kyle Bell out there at Kingsburg, right? Yep. And, and uh, you know, watch, watching – we have improved our athleticism pretty quickly with this with this group that's coming in. Like, you talked about the, the, the team basketball game and how it, he kind of struggled <laughs> watching that. We're not going to have that problem. We're not going to have that problem now. And, and you know, going back to Coach Finley, he talked about Damian Henderson. And he said that Oregon was on him hard and was playing the, uh, and was playing the, you know, we can get your money. We can, you're going to go to a power five school. And that was one of the things that Finley said. He's like, he knew his high school coach. And so he got in, he got in there really early before anybody else was on it. And he kept that, like he kept that commitment and, you know, he's bought in when he could have easily went somewhere else. So, it, I mean, it was, it was great seeing, uh, seeing all the ones that they were able to, uh, to show us, but uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to, to our future. Yeah, you brought up Damien Henderson. So um, one of the guys I liked listening to last night during the program was running backs coach Jeremy Moses, and he introduced the two running backs. Damien Henderson obviously is one of them, and Justin Marshall's the other. <clears throat> and, you know, we're, we've all been excited about these two incoming guys. <clears throat> They're both going to be amazing pickups. I think we've all kind of had our, our eye on Damien Henderson because he's he's just been in the news so much, his eye-popping game performances and stats. You know, he rushed for 1,700-plus yards uh, and – on 190 carries last year and 145 yards a game, 23 touchdowns. He had offers, like you said, from Oregon, he had Washington, Arizona. Um, he looks exciting, but man, Justin Marshall too, you look at him and some of the game film they were showing, he looks like an absolute steal. And they use him a lot out of the backfield in, in high school. He was actually played a lot of, looked like slot receiver, but um, you watch his film and he just flies, you know, he had offers from BC, but then a bunch of, uh, Big Ten schools like Wisconsin, Purdue, Minnesota, Indiana. So that to me is just stunning how we got both of these guys to commit to an air raid offense <laughs> coming off a three and 12 season. Yeah, how we do did that, I'll never know. But obviously the staff knows how to recruit. And like you said, you know, you got guys like James Finley who get in on these guys early. It makes a big difference when you're the first guy in a home and and making that first impression. <laughs> um, but one of the cool things about Jeremy Moses um, I may not have been paying much attention uh, to this guy, but, um, you know, when he was hired uh, to join Jay's staff last year, but, you know, did you know he was an amazing running back <laughs> at the FCS level? I mean, he um, he played for Stephen F. Austin uh, from 2007 to 2010. He broke all sorts of school and Southland conference records. He was a two-time Southland player of the year selection named to uh, uh, all American teams. Uh, throughout his career and he was the fcs national player of the year his senior season um so pretty pretty impressive what kind of player he was and you know now now he's here and and coaching our running back so i thought that was interesting bill best he joked it was funny we cracked everybody up because he said that he's never seen so many fans or people want to talk about the offensive line you know he obviously <laughs> he obviously knows that uh his unit came under fire from, from fans and, and everybody, but uh, you know, he believes that they addressed that this off season. There's uh, you know, some key pieces returning specifically got Jacob Gardner. And then he talked about Keegan Hamilton, who was thrown into the fire last year as a true freshman. Uh, he thinks he's going to be really good going forward, but uh, they, they signed uh, 10 offensive linemen and they had, I think, was it three just in this last, uh, in this last recruiting period? Or was it four? Yeah, we got, what those three junior college three juco transfers which is huge yeah. um so adding depth immediately adding some size immediately and um that's what they need um chad savage he's always kind of fun to listen to too he talked about the incoming wide receivers he highlighted levon brown or levon brown 
who had offers from U of A, Arkansas, Florida State, Oregon, USC, Utah, other Mountain West schools. Uh, Stefan Daly had an offer from Arizona. That's he, by the way, is six foot four, 200 pounds or something like that. So really, really tall guys. Jay talked about how high he is on the three in-state guys. Obviously, you want to see if in a class of 39, you want to see more in-state guys, right? But he he feels like they they plucked three of the best guys in the state. He he always talks about Silas Evans, the wide receiver from George Washington, said he's someone that they look for, his his type of measurables all over the country, and they found him here in their own backyard. He had offers from Pac-12 schools like CU and Oregon State. And then you have J.B. on Smith-Combs from Creek, defensive tackle, talked about his great skill and technique, a big pickup for, for, for CSU, multiple state championship guy. Uh, and then offensive tackle Tanner Morley from Valor, a huge guy, 6'5", 305. And by the way, my daughter showed me he has a TikTok account with a pretty good following. It's called Tub Tub Eats. And uh, they show him and a couple of his teammates. They go and they review food at local like restaurants. They'll go like anywhere from like Taco Bell to like Krispy Kreme, you know, and, and they'll just do <laughs> funny, awesome. these funny reviews. It, it's it, he's he's a, it's a crack up. Uh, so we'll have to have him on sometime. I think he'd be a he'd be a fun guy. Yeah. You know how I love talking about food. Yeah. Which, by the way, you, you kind of went went through it. If you haven't ever done this event, do it. It's awesome. It's it's great to to have that one on one time with the coaches and and they work the crowd. Yeah. If if you used to go to the past and you stopped doing it, I you know I quit doing it with during Bobo's time. I went with Fairchild. I loved when McElwain did it. Stopped with Bobo and and with COVID they never did it with Adazio. Not that he would do it they anyway. Did, they did it one year with with Adazio. His first year they did it. Okay, okay, and uh, but it's just especially happening at Denver Country Club. Tons of space. You're able to to move around. You're able to talk to everybody, and, and it, it it's just such a great event. Like in in Denver Country Club, I mean, they go all out to host us and. Absolutely love it. So if, you, if you've never done it, you're on the fence, do it. Do it yeah. next year. No doubt. It's awesome. Got a few other notes here. BYU junior tight end, uh, junior tight end transfer, Dallin Holkner, Holker, six foot five, 240 pounds. Coach Finley introduced him uh, through the video, his highlight video. And he's a proven guy with size and skill. He was a go-to guy for BYU. Kind of had a really good freshman year. And then went on a mission, and then his sophomore year didn't have as big of a part. Um, he ended up transferring here. I think he's going to have two years to play, or he's a junior. He'll be a junior. Kind of came here it was um, in part because his wife also transferred from BYU to be a CSU track and field athlete. So it was funny. Um, I guess they were joking with him when they were recruiting him that he won't even be the best Hulker at CSU. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> already, uh, she already has the second best long jump in CSU history. Yep. She's been on the team for two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. She's talented. Da by the way, this uh, Dallin played uh, his high school ball at Lehigh High School in Utah, where incoming QB uh, Jackson Brousseau is from. So uh, one guy they didn't have on any of the literature last night because they had just signed him yesterday uh, and they had just offered and he had committed yesterday. So it was before they could. Uh, it was after they'd already printed out all their stuff was this guy um, defensive end outside linebacker, Nate Whalen jr. From Austin Westlake. It's a big time high school program in Texas. Hopefully um, that adds some depth there on the defensive line. Uh, going back to Jackson Brousseau, Matt mummy seemed very high on him. He's obviously the only uh, quarterback that we signed in this class, but they love him as a passer, as a leader and as a winner. He's a two time state champ as a starting quarterback in football, uh, he's a state champ in baseball. They won the state championship last year in baseball. Uh, he, he actually pitches, catches, and plays first base. But uh, And then I guess they're really good in basketball this year. They've won like their last 13 games. They apparently got a good shot at winning the state championship in basketball too. So uh, that's one of those examples of them going after guys that win. Um, and Jay didn't mention this last night, but he, he did mention it on Justin Michaels DNVR podcast or YouTube video with Jay Norvell yesterday, which was really good. Uh, but he said the staff looked into bringing in an upperclassman quarterback to provide some competition, some depth. Uh, but the guys they were going after didn't really work out. So we have Clay Millen coming back and the three other guys who got playing time last year as freshmen. And then you got uh, Jackson Brousseau coming in next year. 
Uh, but yeah, that, I don't know if you listened to that, Michael, but Justin, I just think it's so cool that CSU does what they, you know, lending us Nico, lending us uh, Jay, um, Joe coming on once a month, you know, and then sending him actually sending Jay Norvell to Denver and as part of his tour of, of local media doing that at DNVR. So it's great to see them embracing internet uh, media and, and fan sites and, and, you know, that just kind of sowing those seeds with, uh, with the fans, with the media. And now all you do is start winning <laughs> and we'll start getting right. some better coverage. Right. Um, exactly. You know, I had a chance to talk to Kyle Neves and he brought up that, that, that Justin mentioned our interview with, with coach Norvell during, during his time with, with coach yesterday. And, you know, and, and I, and I think, and I think Kyle, and I told him, I was like, you know, we really appreciate it. Like it, it was just amazing having Nico and Jay and Joe on with us in a week span. Like, I don't know anybody in the U S that could say that they did that over a week span that they were able to get the head men's basketball coach and football coach and athletic director at a division one school to, to jump on with them. And for us, just a couple of fans that have been doing that. I mean, it meant a lot. And I, and I told Kyle that and he, he came back with like, no, like we love what you do. And we love that. What you getting, getting us a chance to tell, to tell fans, like, hey, get behind us. You know, this is what we're doing. We're trying to get better. And, I, I mean, it's just – it's great. And, yeah, giving Justin the chance, having him in, in studio. Again, Justin was like, you know, I'm, I wish I could tell nine-year-old me that I would be able to get to do this for a job, you know. It's, and it, it's awesome. And, you know, again, tip of the hat to to all the coaches who who are willing to do it, you know. And that's big. And then again, Kyle Neves just always helping us out. Yeah, 100%. It's, appreciate that. And Joe is always is helpful as well. Speaking of Joe, I know you touched on this a little bit. He reiterated, you know, during the program, the mission of the athletic department, <clears throat> which is a simple to educate, engage, and excel. And then he goes on, which he, I hadn't heard him say this until he said it on our podcast this past month, but he added that we want to make the college football playoff, and regularly make the NCAA tournament to elevate the value of every CSU diploma. And I just think that's a, it's a pretty simple concept, right? We want to, we want, I love hearing it, that there's a specific goal. We want to play in the college football playoff. We want to make the NCAA tournament, win when we get there. And I, I, it's simple. And it's something we can all rally around. Jay, you know, he's mentioned multiple times that the Cincinnati thing that Jay brought up during his very first press conference when he was hired um jay last night brought up Tulane. how that was a team a year ago that was two and ten they transformed into a 12 and two team this year they recruited well they coached well they pull off a dramatic cotton ball win over usc and he wants that for csu just to i mean it seems like we're so far away but to hear that come out of their mouths and not skirt around this because this is what we all strive for we all want as fans to hear them actually put themselves on the line and say this is a real goal that we are striving for is very refreshing. Yeah, you know, I had a chance to hear Jay on with Altitude with with Brett Kane and Vic Lombardi yesterday morning, and he he brought up to Tulane, and he said, "Yeah, this team was was really bad in 2021, two wins," and he said that they didn't do like a lot of changes. It just from the guys that they had the year before, it just clicked, you know, and, and he said, there's zero reason why they can't do that too. And he said, if, if the offensive line, if it clicks, that air raid's going to happen. And, and again, like I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited about the guys coming in. I'm excited about the guys that stayed and are committed to Colorado state. Well, overall, it was a great night. Our friend Jenny Kavanagh does a really good job as MC. You know, former MC Suji Warjan was there. Uh, I think you rode to the event with her. And her my, husband, my, my personal chauffeur last That's time. pretty nice. Pretty nice little hookup. Uh, you know, we saw s- several fe- uh, fellow Ram Nationers there, including KOA talk show host and former wide receiver, former uh, longtime Ram Nation guy, Marty Lenz. Ramble On was there. Gosh, he he bid on and won a fan package, a trip to 
the Hawaii game next year, which was cool. So it was overall really, really fun night. It, it always is. Um, I did, as we were walking out with Jay and, and the staff, kind of off the cuff, asked him, you know, if he had any sort of relationship with Deion Sanders and Boulder. And, you know, he said no outside of playing playing against him back in the day. But he did say he's glad to have CU back on the schedule. He thinks that's going to be, you know, really, really cool to play them the next couple of years. And he's looking forward to the opportunity to compete against them. Uh, he did say he thought Dion deserved a shot to to coach at this level after what he did at Jackson State. I was hoping he just kind of let on a little bit more of of his true feelings of of Dion and 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 how things are going there in Boulder. But uh, he just kind of uh, he didn't say much more than that. I didn't really get a read on his true thoughts, but um, it will be will be interesting to see. I, I'm looking forward to that game in Boulder this fall. Yeah, me too. You know, again, it 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 should happen every year. I don't know why it doesn't, but it is what it is. I'm excited. Labor Day weekend can't get here. Or no, it's not Labor Day weekend. It's it's nope. two third, weeks after. It's the third week, third week of the season. We got Washington State a week off, and then uh, it's, it's Utah Tech. I think second. I think we play them. We got a week, week. off. Hey, right, you better not say that. I know, right? <laughs> we the, can't overlook the anybody. In the last few years, yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right, before we bring in John Tanjay, let me pause real quick, talk about Ginger and Baker. You can order the best pies you will ever taste right now from Ginger and Baker. Right now in their bakery, they've got the double crust apple pie, cherry, lemon meringue, quadruple coconut cream, maple pecan, chocolate explosion silk, chocolate peanut butter, lemon blueberry streusel. These are literally the best desserts I've ever had. Of course, they also have two great restaurants, The Cash, which is a modern Colorado steakhouse with steaks and chops, fine wine, good whiskey. And the cafe, which is a new take on farm-to-table American comfort food classics. Ginger Baker also features a coffee shop, event spaces, a market, a teaching kitchen. It's an amazing place, guys. Support our friend Ginger Graham and treat yourself to a world-class experience at our favorite place, Ginger and Baker. All right, happy to bring in senior guard John Tanjay. Just got done with practice and dinner and uh, kind enough to join us. John, along with Tavy Jackson, one of our NIL partners, we're so proud to have him. I know they're going through a tough stretch of basketball right now, so probably the last thing he wants to do is dig into to more basketball talk on his free time. But uh, Josh, first of all, I mean, what uh, what do you have on your on your plate right now outside of hoops? You know, you got any big projects you're working on at school and tests coming up, and what, talk, talk about what you got going on outside of hoops. Uh, just getting back in the flow of, flow of class. Uh, we just started a couple weeks ago, so. Uh, it was it was good having a month off and just playing basketball during that time. But now we got to add in school to the equation, so uh, just balancing that right now. Yeah, you don't think about that that whole that whole month uh, when everyone else is on break. It's you guys can just focus on basketball, and and now you you get thrown back into dividing your time between school and hoops. So um, I, I want to ask you a little more about that. I mean, we don't really see the amount of time that student athletes have to put into their uh, to get their schoolwork and, you know, their basketball work and, and all done at a given day. What Walk us through what a typical day is like for you, like for today. Like what when you woke up this morning, walk us through what your day looked like up through when you go to sleep tonight. Yeah. So, uh, unfortunately, I have 8 a.m. So, Monday <laughs> through Thursday. So, uh, so today I have 8 a.m. And then um, I have, you know, go back to the gym, go, go get film, treatment, whatever else I have to do. And then go back to class um at about 11 and then I got practice right after right after that so I don't get home until about you know five five or so so that's kind of how my day goes so what do you be doing uh after this you got like homework and or you get to just chill or what do you what do you got going on yeah I got I got ahead of things uh for this week so I'm definitely just gonna uh relax watch some YouTube watch a movie or whatever that's that's kind of that's kind of my chill time good nice do you get pretty good grades yeah, decent, decent, decent. My yeah, level, so I'm, I'm, uh, three, like uh, three oh. That's that, that was my speed. My speed, <laughs> like a four oh kind of guy. But uh, me, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think I got I got an academic award when I was a, a freshman. I'm pretty sure I got like a, a bronze or something like that for nice. And I never I never got my ribbon for that, so I was still waiting on still waiting <laughs> on that. <laughs> nice. Well, um, let's jump into a little basketball talk. Uh, I know this season hasn't gone as well as you or anybody. Would have liked. There's some time left. We got eight, eight games left, but well, it's no secret that the team is 
has been thin, been hit by injuries, illnesses. Um, you know, Tavy sick as we speak. <laughs> he's probably going to be out for a little bit. Not who knows if he's going to be ready by Saturday. Uh, I know Jalen Lake hit his head in the last game, so we're even more thin than we have been. But you know what? And until these mo- two recent injuries, I mean, you guys, despite the other circumstances with Josiah being sick and not having Jacob Jennison, he had mix and match guys in and out every other game. It seemed like you still whipped South Carolina in their backyard. You beat St. Mary's in their own arena. They haven't lost since then, by the way. They're 17 and four in the season. So what a great win that was. You beat UNLV on the road, what, a week or two ago. That's never easy to do. They're like one and nine again. We're one and nine against them in the last 10 games. So that was a great win. Then we see really, really bad swings, like losses against Northern Colorado at home, Air Force at home, San Jose State at home. You know, we didn't really perform well against CU on the road. We had a tough first half against Wyoming on the road. I It's just a lot. It's like a, it's like a Jekyll and Hyde team. Really good some games, really not so good other games. Why, in your in your opinion, do we see these these massive swings? Um, I feel like you know every day every day is a new day. Every game is a new game. So, um, you know, I I can't really pinpoint anything uh, you know for each game, but I feel like a lot of times it's the same you know reoccurring uh, themes for for why we lose a lot of giving up a lot of um, rebounds, um, turnovers, uh, you know, kind of those are the sort of things that go into those type of games. You talk about the rebounds and stuff. We are often outsized, but is there more to that sometimes when, when we're getting out rebounded? I mean, I feel like against UNLV the other night, they would just seem to be beating us to a lot of loose balls, grabbing a lot of those rebounds. Is that do you see that as just kind of bad luck? Do you see it as a ongoing, I don't know if it's an effort thing? Uh, what What do you see? What are some of the reasons there? Yeah, uh, obviously we're undersized when it comes to a lot of teams, especially, you know, UNLV. So, um, I mean, but at the end of the day, that's, that's just an excuse. We have to we have to compete the best we can. And um, I feel like, you know, UNLV took it to us when it came to that 50-50 balls. Um, we just have to be – we just have to be tougher, honestly. It's just – you know, we have to make our make our mind up that we're going to compete for it, for every rebound, every 50-50 ball, and uh, and then we'll be you know satisfied with, with, with you know the result. You know, as we hit the second half of Mountain West play, you know what are what are some of our goals uh, these last few weeks before we get into the tourney? I think we have to you know hopefully get everyone back uh, you know slowly but surely, and then also just start playing the best basketball we can in this last stretch. Um, you know, at the end of the day, um, we're going to have to play with the guys we got and uh, we're going to have to continue to get better and improve on, um, you know, every game. So I feel like by the end of the year, we want to play our best basketball and um, whenever that might be, um, so hopefully sooner than later. Um, but yeah, we just want to look back on the season and know that, you know, we kind of, we, we put it together and, and gave it our all for this last stretch. You know, it's pretty clear watching this. You know, I, I've seen every game this year, whether in person or on TV, it, the, you guys never quit. All right. You always play hard. May just, may just, we don't play well enough some games, but you know, as you, as you look at this and the season gets tougher, we're in a four game losing streak. The Mount West slate has not gone very well so far. I'm sure there's like mounting pressure on you guys as players, pressure to perform, pressure to win for fans. Talk about that, how that affects you guys. I mean, at the end of the day, you guys are college athletes, right? I mean, you're, you're young guys and, and this is a, it's a tough business, right? It's uh so, so just curious Talk about how that affects you personally and what you're seeing amongst your team. For me, I feel like now being a senior, I've kind of I've kind of learned to tune that type of stuff out. Uh, we we tapped on it uh, today a little bit at practice, and and coaches had a we had a talk today about you know kind of that that type of thing of um, you know what the fans are saying, and you know we all want to be winning, but uh, unfortunately it hasn't been going that way. So um, I feel like just looking at it. Uh, it's opportunity. It's a blessing. Every 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 game, every practice is a blessing. You just have to con- continue to you know keep a good spirit, uh, good attitude, and just attack every day as a new day. What do you think the the psyche of the team is? I mean, guys like you and Zay and 
And Rev, you guys are not really accustomed to losing, especially over the last couple of years. Um, now, like I said, you guys are in a four game losing streak. You you're 10 and 13 overall, two and eight in league play, which is particularly tough. You lost six games all of last year. And now uh, just in the last month, we've lost six games. Does that take a toll on you guys mentally? Is is it like a situation where we're getting in like when things start going bad in a game? Is it like here we go again? Is it like a contagious thing? And how do you how can we snap out of this for uh, the final eight games of the season? Yeah, it always takes a lot of a lot of focus, a lot of mental toughness. Um, for me personally, you know, I've, I've it's been like you said, uh, it's it's kind of new to me to 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 have a season such as this. But I feel like just keep you know keep fighting, staying together, uh, encouraging you know the young guys and and everyone else, and just you know we got to keep pushing. We have no other no other option but to, but to keep going and and not quit. Yeah, you just touched on this as far as tuning out when you hear negativity from fans and whatnot. You guys have five home losses already this year. I think you only lost one at home all of last year. You know, for the first time, at least from what I've seen, I, obviously there's some times over the holiday break where you didn't have students in, in town and, you know, you, there's some smaller crowds there. But for the first time since students have been back in the second semester, the Moby's crowd was under 5,000. It was 4,600 against UNLV the other night. This has always kind of been a team. It seems like you guys feed off of the energy of, of the crowd. And yeah, they got into it late when you guys started forcing turnovers. You were pressing and started chipping away late at the lead. But overall, that just like the energy in the arena was lacking for most of the game. And it's definitely not the Moby madness that we've seen in the past. As a player, do you sense that? Just curious to know as a player how the crowd can positively or negatively affect you. Uh yeah, I say I said yes and no. Um, because I feel like, you know, while I'm playing, I'm not really I'm not really thinking, hey, I think they're usually louder than this. I feel like it's just uh I feel like when they are loud and when they all uh, you know come out and support, then I can feel it. But when they're when they're not as loud, that's not really uh you know something I pick up on during during the game too much. Um I'm pretty I'm pretty focused on that on the game. But yeah, when they when they do get loud, you know, we we love that and we 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 appreciate the support. You know, in this last game against UNLV, there were some calls from the officials that didn't necessarily go our way. Some of the players were visibly frustrated. Coach Medved definitely was. He slapped the, he slapped the table a couple times. I don't know how he didn't get a tee. But do you guys think this team does a good job when things are going against you, especially officiating-wise, that you, you're able to block that out, uh, bounce back from a bad call, uh, and just continue to play hard? Is, or is it like – human nature for any any other of us outside of basketball when something negative happens you get ticked off and it kind of rattles you a little bit is does human nature creep in and take away some of your focus or how do you how do you deal with that when when it feels like everything's going against you and all the all the calls are going against you yeah uh you know like you said it's, it's human nature at that point there's a lot of we have a lot of people that are you know emotional in this program players players and coaches so um, you know, we try to we try to do our best to keep our emotions in check and, uh, you know, just, just focus on the task at hand. But, um, you know, sometimes those calls happen and people get emotional and that's, you know, that's just the game. So um, but, you know, I feel like I feel like uh, we, that's something we talked about again today and uh, something we should be better on, you know, moving forward. I want to switch it up a little bit. Uh, I want to talk about that win in Vegas. You know, a place that we really haven't ever had much success in. Um, I being there as a fan, and, and it was great talking to you after the game. By the way, you know, it was it was amazing watching that. You know, one of the two best wins I've ever witnessed for CSU. One of the two of the craziest wins, you know, I've I've ever witnessed. What was it like for you being on the court during this? Like just just seeing the endings. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was amazing because uh, I mean, at the end, a lot of people, a lot of people doubted, um, you know, and even, even, even I had a couple doubts at the at the end of the game. But uh, you know, we we stayed composed. We we kept we kept fighting at the end, and uh, you know, the the result is the result. So the, that last play, the, the the play that tied it up, you know, how was that drawn up? Like, is that something that you guys work on a lot uh, at practice? Is is it one of those things that? you know, the, the staff really focuses on like this could happen. So here's how we need to be prepared for it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, at the end of, uh, at the end of a couple of practices, we'll, we'll work on situations and that's definitely a play that's, that we've worked on uh, in the past. And then, you know, we put Rivera uh, 
as our quarterback because he was a quarterback at one point in high school. So uh, he threw a good pass. And, uh, you know, obviously Isaiah made a shot. How did you celebrate that that night? <laughs> we hung out at the hotel and then, uh, you know, we, we walked around a little bit after the after the game. I'll, I'll be honest. Nice. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Well, John, uh, with COVID happening and the NCAA giving everybody an extra year of eligibility, you have the option to come back again for a fifth year after this year. Have you thought about that at all? Is it something you would consider coming back for or, or do you think you are wrapping up or have you put any thought into it yet? Uh, I feel like that's something we kind of reflect on after the year. Right now I'm just focused on uh, each game. That's kind of how, how I've always approached it. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Do you, Zay's kind of in the same situation. Do you guys talk at all about what could be or just kind of gauge each other's opinions and, and ideas on what you might want to do or? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, we both came in together and now we're, we're seniors. So, uh, you know, we've had a couple talks about that, but um, they all kind of come to conclusion with just, you know, it's, it's God, God's plan at the end of the day. We don't really, even if we, we pick something now, it, it may not be the case in, uh, after the year. So um, that's kind of just something we, we, we leave up to God and then uh, just, just trust that he'll, he'll make the right decision in the end. Well, we think selfishly about how cool it would be to have, have you seniors back for another year. So, <laughs> uh, so we really hope to have TV on tonight. As I mentioned, he's, he's under the weather. He's obviously gone through a rough stretch. He had a, just a really great first half of the season uh, as a true freshman just looks like he was uh, not overwhelmed by the speed of the game and the, you know, how big, big some of these moments were. And, and then just in this last stretch, particularly since he got injured uh, ever since he got injured and came back, he's, he scored two points in the last six games and just seems to be like passing up shots when he wouldn't have in the past. Seems like he's lost a little bit of his confidence as you're playing out there alongside him. What, what do you see from him and what might be going on with him? Um, I think, yeah, everyone goes through adversity. Obviously he, he's having, he's not really having too much of a, uh, you know, he's not playing the best basketball he, that he would want to be playing basketball, but, uh, you know, he's a freshman at the end of the day and he's getting a really good opportunity that a lot of people wouldn't have. And I, I didn't even have, you know, the role he had as a freshman. So, um, yeah, it's just, it's just a part of it. We all go through, you know, rough stretches and, uh, it's something I, you know, I, I know for sure. I have no doubt that he's going to, he's going to shake it and, uh, you know, get his confidence back because that's just the player he is. I don't know. Maybe it has something to do with his injury. He doesn't seem like he's been the same since he came back from that. Last year, you kind of went through something similar where you suffered a, I believe it was a meniscus injury. And, you know, it was a struggle. You you told us that it was a struggle after coming back after that. And uh, have you talked to him about the same kind of situation and how you handled it and given him any advice around that? Um, no, we haven't. We haven't talked specifically about uh, injury, but I mean, that just that just goes to show, you know, the type of the type of character he is to to play through and, and put his body on the line for, you know, for the team. And uh, we're with him 100 percent. We we appreciate, you know, love him. Have you, I assume, heard of the proverbial term, the freshman wall? Do you think that's a real thing? Do you think <laughs> this happens to freshmen? I mean, it makes sense because you the guys coming out of high school, they don't play this number of games and playing this many games in short spans of time. And maybe, you know, the, these guys that are true freshmen coming right out of high school, maybe physically aren't ready for that. Do you think that's a real thing? Uh, Yeah, I feel like it's just human nature. You know, these these kids are they're moving. It's, it's their first year away from home. You know, they may they may be homesick. They may, you know, miss miss their families and stuff like that. And, and they're not used to playing as many games uh, in stretches, like you said. So. Uh, it's definitely, you know, it's definitely a real thing. And I don't, uh, you know, I don't knock anyone for, for going through those type of things because, you know, I did at, at, at a point too. So um, I can say that I noticed too much of that, but um, I know, I know he's going to, he's going to get his confidence back uh, pretty, pretty soon. Um, you touched a little bit on this, but going back to the, our most recent game against UNLV, the loss at Moby a couple nights ago, Nico talked to you guys at practice tonight and how, you know, they got to tune out the negativity, the, the fans or whatnot, but, you know, after the game in the heat of the moment, when you just suffered the loss, what, is, what is Nico's message to you, to you guys as, as a team? And is it, um, you know, does he get frustrated or does he stay pretty even keel and, 
and talk you guys off a ledge or how, how does he handle a loss like that? And especially when we're kind of a string of losses and, and things are kind of trending the wrong way. Uh, I feel like he, he's pretty uh, even kill uh, after, after the game. Uh, he approached it in the way of, you know, we just have to, we just have to find it. We have to, we have to look, you know, deep into ourselves and, um, you know, at, at, as our teammates, as coaches, uh, as a team, as a, as a unit, um, you know, we're just going to have to come together and, and, and figure out how to get better in this last stretch. Well, you get a chance to turn the page. Uh, Utah State comes to town. It's another really good conference opponent. I mean, this league is really tough top to bottom this year. But first of all, it's um, it's a really cool event Saturday. It's it's the fight like a Ram game where you get to wear a, a cancer patient's uh, or a survivor's name on your back. And what is that like for you guys as players mm-hmm. to have that opportunity? And, and to and actually, I mean, there's there's got to be some level of burden to it. But what I'm sure there's also honored as well. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's a it's a blessing. It's always, you know, one of my favorite things we do uh, here. And it's uh, I mean, it puts things in perspective. Um, you know, there's people that are battling way worse, way worse things than we are. And it, it's it's amazing to represent them and, and and their families at the game. And they're they're so excited. We've, we've got a chance to meet them. And, uh, you know, it's 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 a pleasure to be a part of that. Well, you know, uh, Steve Ivey, who's who was probably on our first call with you and, and does a lot mm-hmm. of our basketball podcasts with us, was part of that last year as a survivor. And it, it, he's talked about what's meant to him. So I think it's just a really cool thing that you guys do. It's a really cool thing that CSU Athletics does in general. But I just look at that as, you know, you guys, you know, you really you really probably feel some pressure that you want to win that game and perform uh, knowing that you're representing the, these guys. So just just. Um, it's really impressive by you guys to to handle that so well and to do this. Appreciate it. So, talking about Utah State, what do you know about them? What do you got to do to beat them? Yeah, um, I feel like when it comes to every team, we have to we have to play our best basketball. Um, Utah State is obviously uh, really good this year in in this league, and um, you know they're they're pretty long and uh, athletic, so. You know we're gonna have to we're gonna have to you know make sure we limit turnovers, uh, make our make sure our offense is flowing, and um, you know depending on how many guys we got, we're gonna either have to you know slow down the pace maybe for you know so we can so we can keep up with the game, and um, you know it's really it's really gonna be you know, a real a real tactical game I feel like. And then after that uh, Tuesday, I know you don't want to look past Saturday yet, obviously, but um, just curious. You know, you play Air Force on the road. That's a place we actually have some success uh, playing, especially the last couple of years and, and under and under Nico. We've struggled a little bit in our rivalry games this year with the first Air Force game, UNC, CU, YO. Is there like any, um, you know, elevated urgency at all? Do you guys talk about the importance of, hey, we got to we got to win these rivalry games? Um. Yeah. Yes, I know. We we obviously, you know, try to win every single game. But, um, you know, the rivalries, um, there's obviously added, you know, added excitement, added pressure. So, um, yeah, we're for sure going to be, you know, uh, really motivated for, for this next game with them, too. I know. I think I asked you a similar question way back. And yeah, I thought your answer was awesome. I mean, because you're you're from Omaha, right? You're not from here. You don't necessarily have that built in dislike of the local teams but what you said was you wear Colorado State on your chest and you want to represent this um, and you want to to beat those rivals to represent CSU and I I think that's really cool Uh, but I just know that as fans you know it's just I don't know if you guys hear it but we definitely hear it on on the on social media and on Ram Nation message boards people just getting irritated by in football, losing to rivals, and this year in particular. I mean, last year we were we had success against rivals, obviously in basketball. But so yeah, this is um this is one that's you know is it is it the end all be all to, to beat Air Force? Not necessarily, but obviously winning those rivalry games is important to all of us alumni and fans, and uh, and we wish you good luck this uh, these next couple games in particular. Thank you, thank you, Michael. Anything? Uh- Going to the Air Force, and you had a chance to – I mean, you played there the last three years, but your freshman year, we had fans. Sophomore year, we didn't. That was that was the COVID year, and then last year. And that was your first game back being injured. 
What's it like playing with those cadets sitting on top of you, just saying the foulest, worst stuff imaginable? Uh, I think it's pretty funny. Yeah, that's that's part of that's part of college basketball. Um, Air Force is up there with one of the you know, in one of the more interesting uh, places when it comes to when it comes to fans and what they say. So. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't mind it. I feel like it's a, it's a part of college basketball. It's what we, what we asked for when we were coming here. So, uh, I really, I really enjoy it. Well, I hope you shut them up. I'll be there on Tuesday. I'll be there on Saturday as well. Yes, sir. All right, buddy. Well, I appreciate all your time. Thanks for spending some time with us. Go enjoy the rest of your night. A little downtime. Watch Netflix or YouTube, whatever you plan on doing, buddy, and and just uh, get your mind off of everything else. And we appreciate you. Sir, appreciate you guys for having me. Thanks, John. Yeah. Good to see you, bud. Yes, sir. I'm good one. All right. That was John Tanjay. Good conversation with him under tough circumstances. You know, at the end of the day, these are guys are 18, 19, 20, 21 years old and and uh dealing with a lot. So uh we appreciate the fact that he comes on here and has a candid conversation with us. Uh thanks everybody for listening. Thanks, Mike, for spending time recapping the great CSU recruiting roundup from last night. Hope everybody has a great weekend coming up. Hope the Rams can get back on track against Utah State and then Air Force right after that. So it would be nice to get a couple wins, get back on track. But, man, we might be behind the eight ball with another sickness and, a, and an injury. So we'll see how what, what pans out over the next couple days with that. Thanks. Go Rams. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.